This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. Hello everyone and welcome to the Housewives Archives, a podcast where we're discussing great depths, all things real housewives. Uh, my name's Ellie Nunn and uh, if he was on a TV show he'd probably have to have subtitles put underneath him to understand what he's saying. It's my co-host James Evans. Hello. <laughs> Hello Ellie. She's fake. She's plastic, not fantastic. Just one of the most horrible co-hosts I've ever had to deal with in my entire life. <laughs> it's like that Lisa Vanderpump thing where it's weird because it just doesn't sound how British people sound. But it's like my boyfriend no, really is like, panic. she's so posh, she sounds like she's drunk all the time. Yeah. It's, yeah no, I just opened a bottle of wine that I think is about 100 years old. It is a great level of posh to be at where you're so laissez-faire, you're just constantly in a whiny state. So much, but also her mouth doesn't really move when she talks. She just sort of draws out. So it's why it's quite hard to understand her. That is such a lot of bollocks, darling. It's... I just think this is the most appalling little crap I've ever had to deal with in my entire life. It's just you're absolutely barking up the wrong tree because the one thing I, I'm not is racist. I am absolutely not a racist. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good fun. So I just want to dive in straight away with a little bit of housekeeping. Um, <laughs> okay. Why are you laughing? Just because I'm happy to see you. I'm excited. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> So we had a really important message from a listener the other day, and I'd just like to read it out to you. Okay. It says, Hiya, I absolutely adore the podcast. The Danielle impressions have permanently changed my vernacular. The pod has been a really important bonding experience for me and my partner. And I was wondering if you could give my partner, SJ, a birthday shout out. Their birthday is on the 27th of October. No problem if you can't. Love the podcast. Signed, Lewis from Trowbridge. I made up Trowbridge, but her name's Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you know what to do all together. Happy, Happy birthday, birthday to, to you. you. Happy birthday, birthday to you. Happy, Happy, Happy birthday, birthday dear S. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. Hubba. Hubba. <laughs> yeah, happy B. Yeah, happy. Happy birthday, B. SJ. I hope you have the most genuine. If you sat through day. that, if your relationship survived that rendition of happy birthday. <laughs> All power to you. Many people would rather not have that as a birthday present. Myself included. Please don't do it for me. <laughs> anyway, happy birthday, SJ. Oh, happy birthday. Bringing couples together all over the place, including my own relationship, where this week's huge step forward was sneaking side-eye 
to see that my boyfriend had started watching yeah. Real Housewives of DC. Yeah. And then he said, these women seem the most interesting of all the ones that you watch. Oh, really? I think that actually tracks. I think it's a good one for getting boyfriends into because it feels vaguely political and it's a one-off season. They can kind of treat it like an HBO miniseries or something, <laughs> you know? So it's like yes. prestige drama, which obviously all of the housewives are. It's like the West Wing. Absolutely. That, yeah. Exactly. They're like lobbying. They're trying to get gay marriage passed. It's like scandal or something. Yeah. He then did also this week watching Love is Blind. And he was like, of all of the conceits, this is the one I can get the most behind. And I thought, I was like, fuck you. The Traitors is amazing. I was like, how even I wouldn't choose Love is Blind over the Traitors. Come on. Did you watch all of the different iterations of Traitors in front of him? And just none of them worked? I certainly, oh no, not in front of him, privately by myself because i think the uk one is quite emotional i could see how maybe that's a bit off-putting but australian traitors lots of gender stereotyping happening here (laughs) i could (laughs) see that he wouldn't like it because it's emotional um (laughs) for this yeah no he really liked real housewives of dc it's really political was a man politics. God, I thought I got away with not getting cancelled last week by Big Lime, and now, oh. Absolutely not. <laughs> oh, God, I'm mortified. I have had the best time watching Real Housewives of DC. I loved it. You were right. You were I'm right. I'm so glad. I'm always terrified. It's the same with Vancouver. I was terrified you'd be like, James, I'm four episodes in. This is fucking boring. I don't know what to talk about. Nope, I loved it. Mm-hmm. And I, I kind of love that it's a one-off season. Yeah. And that it's its own, like, piece of art. Thank God there was a reunion at the end. I was scared there wasn't going to be. I loved how different it was to any other series. And the political thing, I just found it hilarious how I live in the same city as like the royals, but I don't like talk about the royals yeah. all the time. I don't know. I don't, it's not a good example, but it is crazy how much all they wanted to talk about was their connections to people in politics. Completely. Of which they have none. None. It was extraordinary. Probably partly why the show wasn't very successful. It really doesn't live up to the high expectations of its premise. Where Absolutely. Obviously every housewife city feels like it has to have a theme and DC's is obviously going to be political. And there's all that talk about like, if you want to make it in this town, you've got to have power or proximity to power. You'd be forgiven for going into this show thinking they'd all be senators' wives or something. but Oh, absolutely. Obviously anyone who actually has any power in DC is not in their right mind going to sign up for this show. It's so fucking funny. They also have some of the crappest taglines. of It's that one yeah. where it's like, of a time, I couldn't tell you what any of them were apart from Kat being like, I'm here for a good time, not a long time. I'm here for a good time, not a long time. Yeah, they're all like Carl Richards level taglines of like, DC's my town and I thrive in it. The end. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing clever about that. I grew up in this town. Exactly. (laughs) I live in DC. That's nice. Also, because they're constantly talking about politics all the time, even though they have no relation to the political arena whatsoever, it also does have that unfortunate side effect where it makes the show feel incredibly dated, more so than perhaps any other housewife's city. Unbelievably. It is such a time capsule of the early Obama administration. It's incredible. It's quite sweet in a way. There's a lot of talk about like, what an exciting time this is. And there's a lot of bipartisan cooperation and they're getting gay marriage passed and... It's like, no, oh, a simpler time. Honestly. You knew how things... We were all so happy then. I'd like them to come back to Real Housewives of DC now in a post-Trump. Or even if they'd filmed during Trump, whatever. Just 
this kind of like apocalyptic wasteland of Washington kind of post-insurrection where you're right, there's a kind of naivety, but also just like a glorious lack of self-awareness around things like race and oh my it's god kind of gorgeous to see them have no sense of the fact that they're on television <laughs> and it's amazing because it's not like with real Housewives of new york where ebony came in and you know was very much there to educate people and like with the premise what's so amazing about stacy is she's so intelligent about it but like genuinely oh i'm sort of trying to see the best in everyone but that was quite shocking what that person said or kind of felt like there's no agenda to it it's just a really amazing actual snippet of what i imagine race relations are are quite like in sort of suburban washington just a load of like rich white ladies who really think of themselves as like very forward thinking i have experienced reverse racism I grew up in the South and it was hard. Exactly. I grew up in the South and I have black friends. So, you know, we have this one black gay friend who makes us liberal. I know that we have different hair, but we need to... (laughs) Integrate. Come on, guys. We got to integrate. (laughs) Come on. No, Stacey deserved an award for... She had the patience of a saint to sit there and quietly put up with some of that bullshit. Exactly. But then... What I also love about it is it's one of those things where just as you're like, wow, she and her amazing husband really are the kind of martyrs of DC. We have this amazing clip of her and her husband basically saying that they don't believe in gay marriage and being like, I just don't think that that should be for anything other than a man or woman. And you're like, oh, cool. Yeah. Again, another totally unselfconscious look into how people feel. Stacey is a good example, isn't she, of what we've said before, of not picking one housewife and going, oh, they seem nice and normal and my values align with them. I'm just going to follow their lead because you never know when they're going to surprise you with a little hot take like that. Literally. I will give her a bit of leeway because I feel like, again, that's why it feels so dated. I, I think we do forget how much times have changed and that actually in 2009, that was a perfectly legitimate take for Democrats to have. Like, I don't even think Obama was pro-gay marriage at that point. Like, I think this whole idea of equal but separate was very much a mainstream view to take. Yeah, I think that's why it's so fascinating looking back on it. And it is extraordinary to think the speed of change has been so Mm. tremendous and it's an amazing thing. But sometimes I do think our generation, not that we shouldn't, you know, always keep pushing for change, but forget how long things took to change. And Mm. I'm certainly someone who can be very impatient to see results when actually there's something kind of extraordinary and the senator who's who's advocating for gay marriage on the show yeah. and he keeps saying you have to be patient you have to appeal to there's no point doing an echo chamber you have to appeal to the people who aren't going to understand it and help take time to get them to understand and i thought you know what there's a lot of wisdom in that for our generation of mm. like proper implemented change long-term change comes from educating people and trying to understand where people's prejudice comes from rather than trying to shame people into a different way of thinking which actually tends to just like polarize societies Mm -hmm. and get people frustrated Mm -hmm. it was very 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 fascinating the whole thing it is and it's why kind of in a way i find dc so intriguing because for something that had such a big diplomatic scandal 
that created international headlines. It's been completely and utterly disregarded by Bravo and essentially lost to time. In the US, you cannot stream DC for love nor money. It's incredibly hard to find. Wow. I had to shell out 19.99 to watch the whole season on some no. weird app on my TV. I was very disappointed to read Not All Diamonds and Rosé and see that they devoted maybe like two and a half pages to the whole of DC and they interviewed one housewife. It was probably Mary, someone really boring. Yeah. And I get that crashing the White House is a big deal and it's probably, it was a huge pain in the ass for Bravo. But it's like, they're so embarrassed by it to this day that they're determined to erase it from history and pretend that it never existed. Which is so interesting because in so many ways, it was such a forward thinking show such an intelligent housewife show it had many firsts again we made such a big deal of the fact that ebony joined the cast in new york or garcelle was the first black housewife on beverly hills stacy was like a pioneer she was there at the forefront having to deal with this bullshit by herself with grace and i would argue as well later on when we talk about the white house crashing it was probably the first instance truly of the real housewives becoming meta theatrical and acknowledging itself as a show and how it kind of blurred the lines. So it's interesting now to see it completely forgotten to history. I also wonder if it was one of the first examples, I'm not sure where it comes in the canon compared to New Jersey and things like that, but to have a couple so clearly overcompensating for some kind of financial mess and not realise how cottoned onto that the show would be and this amazing veneer on top that ends up just reading as completely mental but that in their head will be very aspirational because that's now become a bit of a trope of Real Housewives and we've I feel like there's a lot of examples of Real Housewives and their partners being caught up in fraud or in sort of various scandals I mean like Jen Sharp all of that stuff yeah it's not surprising anymore but actually on this series it's kind of incredible it's so organic and it's so bonkers it's quite sweet in a way the Salahi's brand of con artistry because they are on the one hand so outrageous with it they are such shameless blatant liars but also they just get their money by well they don't get their money they just don't pay for stuff and they just live on credit which is very innocent compared to today's times where Corruption. it's like you get your yeah, money yeah. by scamming old people or whatever <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know <laughs> that's so true it's like oh yeah okay <laughs> One of my favorite, I mean, there's, it's basically, can we just talk about the Salahis? Yeah. I'm just obsessed. I don't even know where to start. Do you want to start with the Salahis or do you want to work your way up to them? No, I want to start with them because I feel like it's one of those things where everything we talk about is just going to come back to them. Mm -hmm. I just have so many favorite moments. The broken down vineyard that they have to get security to protect them from his mother is one of my favorite moments of the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Like he's so particular the partner and this whole thing of their kind of like fear or their demonization of his mother as this <laughs> this like monster that they have to like protect themselves with the police from constantly just really makes me laugh as it's just not what you expect the way it's dropped you're like hang on what did he just say from his mum <laughs> right <laughs> I'm going to come back to this point again and again when I talk about the Salahis, but they have such a Danielle Staub-esque quality to them. It's amazing, as if she's going to assassinate them. The paranoia, yeah. They have secret security surrounding them because of some old lady who's just pissed off that her son's run the family business into the ground. It's incredible. (laughs) And it's... (laughs) 
I would honestly say not since Danielle Staub has one housewife in the form of Mikkel so clearly carried a season on her back and similarly from Exile where like from the get-go everyone just despises them, refuses to film with them. Very similar vibes. As a result, they're forced to kind of like hang out with these shady side characters. So say if Danielle has her Danny Provenzano, Mikkel has her Tarek Salahi. They're just such a perfect villainous duo in a way that can only exist for one season. They kind of remind me of Jim and Amber from that one mad season yes, of um, yeah. New Jersey where it's like they gave us the perfect amount of villainy that it would have been unreasonable to have expected them to stick around any longer. And I think it's probably safe to say that they were the only reason why DC was so good, but paradoxically also the reason why DC was cancelled. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just... It was like a real lightning in a bottle moment. But also those people are very often not sustainable. And that's what's so great is they were like there for the perfect length of time because any more and they'd actually have to deal with consequences or like where we just had them in like the perfect number of lies for nothing with no accountability at any point. And it's just glorious. It's so I love. I love that's it. Yeah. There's almost when we first meet Mikhail, though, there's almost a bit of a Kyle and Camille thing going on where all the women it's established that they all hate mikhail but there must be some sort of meta reason for why they do because they don't directly address it on camera because it would break the fourth wall otherwise it just doesn't make sense why they would all agree to do a show with someone that they hate previously but Mm -hmm. then refuse to film with her like i don't know who linda thinks that she is like she's not a Teresa judice but the fact that she could like refuse to film a single scene with mikhail i think she does one scene with them at a party altogether where she sort yeah. of concerned trolls her about her eating but there's just a lot no, of no it's the op- no she does the one scene where mikhail says to her don't talk about me about my oh. eating but yes mm-hmm. you're right that yeah it is interesting to come in on that level of it's not like they've done a few seasons and then that's how you get to grow like Linda grows to be like Elise Vanderpump and then you get to have the power to say I don't want to right so so it feels like that order is already established and that kind of hierarchy and the team just come in it's like they're already living like they're being filmed for a reality show and then they just happen to actually be filmed mm-hmm what do you think about Mikhail? Do you think that she's just under the spell of a con man or do you think they are just two equally grimy characters who just happen to have found each other and love conquers all? Oh, equally yeah. grimy, for sure. We know we've watched enough Housewives to know when someone is delusional and to know when someone is naive. Like Alexis. Alexis isn't scheming. Alexis isn't Alexis. Yeah. Genuinely has this naivety or this slightly delusional quality that means, and she's not a very good fighter or anything like that, whereas there's something about Mikhail's way of turning everything being about like, we're just about love, we're just about love here, just about putting Mm. stuff, and that annoying thing of every time she sees someone, like, ah, sort of like, ah! And like, I'm sorry, it's, that's, it's in, there's intent there. It's not just some kind of happy girl. And, And also watching her, like when she's caught out on the cheerleader thing, watching her try and justify like round in circles which i could watch all day it's so funny i wish i wrote it down it's (laughs) it's incredible that whole scene where she goes to the no because what it was is that i was no so i was so i was on the bench for so i and i just ran on just did two or three games yeah but in diane diamond's book it said that you weren't on the bench no but then i was but then because i'm an alumni so then they Uh in the 80s or the 90s no so i was so 
like I say, I was on the bed, but I wasn't a full cheerleader, but I just ran on. But then, but the alumni wanted me to say, but you said that you were a cheerleader a, on the show. Well, cause the alumni said that they wanted me to say I was a cheerleader. Aha. Uh-huh, but Terry Smith, who's the head of the <laughs> alumni said that you were never a cheerleader in the eighties or the nineties. I don't know. I don't know. It's just what the alumni wanted me to say. Your own brother said that you're not a cheerleader. <laughs> It just goes around and she's like, right, yeah, I know. Yes, and it's like, because. Was I? I don't know. <laughs> and it's the same with the whole White House thing of, uh, it's just incredible. And I could watch their brains, especially as someone who's a terrible liar. I'm just fascinated by someone's ability to just keep saying words without thinking until eventually basically being like, no, no, we have to go. We have to. We yeah. can't. We have to, okay, love, 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 love. I think for most of the show, there seems to be a narrative that everyone's spinning that before Mikkel met Tarek, she was like a nice, sweet lady and she's under his spell. But then in the aftermath of the White House business, Mikkel really takes a lead in driving whatever narrative that they have. And you get the sense that Tarek actually wants to hang around in Stacey's house and talk about it. And Mikkel's the one sort of ferrying him out and being the publicist. Although, whoa, but we have to talk about Tarek throwing a glass of wine in Linda's face, which when she's telling that story, you're like, that must be exaggerated. But it's not. Right. And they just own it. <laughs> and he's like, yeah. I was protecting my wife who has MS. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone's like, <laughs> everyone's like, you pushed your wife out of the way. <laughs> it's, and I think that's... The whole MS business as well. It's like, oh, oh my, my God, God, at the 11th hour, like another lie. No, because I was doing work for charities for MS secretly. (laughs) (laughs) But it's secret. And it's a great technique where in the reunion, she just cottons onto it, where as soon as they get anywhere with catching her out on a lie, she just immediately scrunches her face up and starts crying in that that whole business where she's like, Kat, you made me cry. You made everybody cry. And she's like, no, I didn't. Who did I make cry, Mikkel? Well, you made me cry. You made Stacy cry. No, no, I didn't cry. Like, no, answer the question, Mikkel. Who did I make cry? And then she's just, she just crunches up her face out of nowhere and then just starts crying. <laughs> <laughs> and Kat goes, oh. hmm. <laughs> When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I am obsessed with the whole so I was confused when at the the first dinner that there's some kind of controversy over whether they snuck in at the back I thought that was going to be the one because you told me I always Mandela affect it and merge the two events together yes so I already had that so when that happened I was like oh that must be the one and I was like oh that's disappointing that you don't see more of the build up to it. it's just going to be hearsay mm-hmm. but the build up to the actual state dinner is just so brilliant and so perfectly paced it's like perfectly paced but also like really the the woman doing her hair in no world <laughs> has she not been told to A ask complete, yeah. to see an invitation she's really bad at it yeah 
I'm so excited. I like I want to see that invitation. Jeez. Now I want to see that invitation. Yeah. You got Don't it. Forget. You're going to get it for oh, me. The physical invitation that you said that you had, remember? <laughs> wow. Uh, this must be a really exclusive. How does one get invited willikers. to something like that? Oh my god. So, I just love that whole section and also I I love the bit where Michaela's having the sari put on her and she just keeps being like, "Oh wow." Oh, wow. Oh, and that bit goes there. Wow. And it's like, she's just like endlessly surprised by how this sorry works. Yeah, she's like and a child. Like, like how, how are you endlessly fascinated and discovering all these little things? Literally like seven times. And then yeah. she just sees the back and it's like, oh, wow. With every safety pin. She's like, oh, and another. Wow. I love that she tells, she makes a point of telling the makeup artist as well, that she used to work in the White House as a makeup artist. And it's nice for her to come back as a guest. And she wasn't sure whether it was appropriate to wear a sari or not. So she phoned up the social secretary and they laughed and joked and they loved the idea of her wearing a sari to the state dinner. And what a great idea it was and how much fun she's going to be as a guest. And I think this instance is the bit where truly we break the fourth wall because there's a lot of rough and ready camera footage it's like guerrilla style footage as they're following Mikkel out of the salon as she's like rummaging through her bags in the back of her car trying to find this invitation and like my heart starts racing watching it every time like my palms got sweaty and then you hear the producer's voice off camera not only that which is I think maybe one of the first times that we've ever heard a producer's voice Mm -hmm. on these shows but you can hear the producer actively trying to get the narrative back on track and she talks to Mikkel like she's a child where she's going remember Mikkel you know the hairdresser she asked to see the invite that's why you were going outside do you remember that's what you were looking for Uh uh-huh so where is the invite Mikkel and Mikkel's kind of acting like that wasn't the case and then she says what what am I meant to be looking for it's very eerie and bizarre I don't know I kind of read that differently I read that like Mikkel and Tarek are the kind of people where it's so impossible to pin them down for like an answer or to get them to stay on track what they're doing the producers must have just had a night nightmare of going no we don't need footage of you looking for a bra in the but you were meant to be looking for the invitation and it just feels like everything is so much fluff it's like no don't tell us another story about when you were on the phone no yeah 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 that's what i mean it's like a whirlwind of energy that's superfluous that is meant to be kind of like smoke and mirrors and a big distraction but they're just going remember the invite we don't care about the bra we don't care like where is the invite and it's such a bizarre scene even if that was it and then inevitably they then found the invite or whatever you'd still go this is not how a human being acts they are so cool calm and collected throughout the whole thing the stakes are so high you're going to a dinner at the white house and you've momentarily lost the invite it's amazing it's a bit like when Jen Shah gets arrested and yeah, yeah, yeah. you're just like, how are you not sweating more right now? She's like milling around in the beauty lab and laser parking lot, like saying goodbye to everyone hugging. It's like, you got to get out of there, Jen, quick. The police are coming now. <laughs> you just feel like everyone, the audience included, is more stressed out than the Salahis are. And the producer, again, they say, you've lost the invite. You can't find it. Why aren't you tearing your hair out right now? And then Tarek gives us a little gaff about- You don't need an invite. Yeah. You don't... To get into the White House. <laughs> You don't need a physical invite. Come on. Incredible. Incredible stuff. And then that amazing bit when they arrive, when the woman says their name's not on it, but she's like, if you just want to wait down there, and she's like, "Mm, we're early. How fun. Yay. Yay. How fun. I thought we were going to be late, but we're early. (laughs) It's just, it's, it is like watching school kids lie about something. It's like, Mm -hmm. it's extraordinary. Like you say, it's just not how humans 
It's my favorite kind of housewifery. The audacity to pull that off with a camera crew, no less. It's like you are the most conspicuous looking guest. Like you're wearing a bright red sari. In a sari. Sticking out like a sore thumb. Just incredible. Like you cannot believe that they've got this caught on camera. Because yeah, like you say, when they're, when the gay in the limo is telling the first story about the Black Caucus dinner, you're like, oh God, that'll be it then. And you know, that's a shame we didn't get that caught on camera. But even then, the story is incredible where he says, basically, they were invited by the Salahis to go to this Black Caucus dinner. And they kept saying, oh, we're meeting some friends there and we're plus ones. That's why we don't have the invitation. And then they blagged their way through the first checkpoint in security. And then they snuck in through the side by following a busboy through a side door and like went in through the kitchen. It's so cartoony. And then suddenly they're inside and the Salahis are schmoozing around the room and sitting down at empty tables and pretending it's their place setting. And then security tap the Salahis on the shoulder and escort them out. And then amazingly, like five minutes later, the gays turn around and they're back and they've managed to like schmooze <laughs> their way the into VIP the VIP area. section. It's incredible. I think we'll keep coming back to this word, but it is so shameless. The fact that after they yeah. crash the White House, they take photos, they take evidence, and then Mikhail posts Put it on, them on Facebook. Facebook. Again, it's such a great time capsule moment. I love it. Exactly. It's such a time capsule moment for that to be your downfall and even just the scene of them going through being like oh that's a good one <laughs> uh I, <laughs> like picking their snacks oh and there's diane sawyer oh she was great mm. oh so like their obsession of are we going to be able to take photos and i love the bit in the reunion where she weirdly says it like it's a positive of being like and there's a a verb named after us yes. and he's like yeah what does it mean and uh, to crash <laughs> <laughs> and then he's like, okay, what does that feel like? And she's like, not very nice. And you're like, but you just said it like as if you were being like, and we're also bringing out a line of merchandise. or Like it sounded like a positive. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's just. To proudly sit uh, on a reunion stage and say, we're infamous. It's just fantastic. It would be like Camille at that one reunion going, I am officially America's most hated housewife, according to Us Weekly. And then Andy going, and how does that make you feel? And then Camille just going, not nice. Not nice. I will say, look, it's embarrassing for the White House and it exposed some major flaws in their security system, obviously. But the way that the women talk about it, again, like they're politicians themselves, they're talking about it like Mikel's going to like assassinate the president. Of course. It's always the case with these shows, isn't it? That when someone does something bad, everyone's reaction often ends up actually taking away from they if they treated it exactly as the situation it was it'd be more powerful but they mm. hampered their own cause by yeah someone like cat being like and she doesn't understand that you know people have lost their actual jobs i actually had an invite to the christmas party and you actually get beautiful invitations and um thanks to Tarka McHale's antics uh i've had to fly my father out um to go in my place now charles and i have broken up <laughs> so uh but yes yeah, having people like linda there saying their country was under threat <laughs> like <laughs> you can't help but laugh i'm sorry however it is also really funny watching that hearing where the answer to every question they're just like i've been advised by my lawyer under the fifth amendment to not answer that question right. they're like are you here now i've been advised <laughs> by my lawyer under the it's like something like, from veep it's such good comedy and when they're asked about that and they're like it's because we weren't there were questions we could answer but we weren't asked them <laughs> yeah 
I'm like, what questions? If the questions were, are you a living, breathing person who's here right now and you still feel that you're legally bound to not exactly. answer that question, what are the questions that you can answer? Well, they didn't ask the right questions. They've been like, are you a Libra? <laughs> yeah, should hair salons be integrated? <laughs> Again, it suddenly gets so meta where you can tell that this crashing the White House was not meant to be the season finale. It should have been. It's like a fantastic... If you were writing this as a script, it would be a great way of ending the show. But clearly it's thrown production completely off kilter. And everyone finds themselves in this weird stasis where they're technically still filming, but they're not filming the women doing their usual run-of-the-mill housewives activities. There's no big flashy finale party. It suddenly doesn't feel appropriate to carry on production in a traditional sense. So it's just this endless lineup of scenes where all the women have been imprisoned in Stacey's home and they're just like watching these news reports and the hearings taking place on CNN. And it just really blurs the boundaries all of a sudden where they're technically still housewives and they're performing, but they've just been relegated to audience members just like us. And they're suddenly watching their fellow housewife on TV. It just all gets very mixed up and messy and murky. It's also just very unsatisfying because even when they decide to have the Salahis over and Kat decides to be there, but they're not sort of well-versed enough as housewives to have a showdown. So instead you just get Kat sort of sitting unable to bring herself to talk to them and then eventually leaving and being like, I just want to say before I go that you're two of the most appalling <laughs> people I've ever met in my life and I think you're absolutely disgusting and I want nothing to do with you. I want nothing... I, I think you should be ashamed to be American. And Mikhail just sort of sat there, like, smiling. And I love that because a bit like old school New York and stuff like that, they haven't got to a place with Housewives yet where it's playing up sort of fights for camera. There's There's something very organic about it. And I do enjoy it. They're so interesting, those older series. Another reason why Stacey, I think, is a very undervalued player on Housewives is that she is actually the only housewife to correctly clock that the Salahis are nuts, but she also knows that we're filming a TV show and that they can't just exist in isolation and that someone needs to film with mm -hmm. them. She's the only one to truly step up to the plate and share camera time with them. And even though Kat tries at the end, she doesn't have the TV savvy to mm -hmm. be a good key player and have a dialogue with them. So the scene kind of goes nowhere and actually probably exacerbates their exit. And what Stacey's trying to do is lull the Salahis into a false sense of security. Make and TV, yeah, yeah. Kat's just like, no, I think it's unbelievable how we can just sit here and be fake, plastic, not fantastic. It's just bullshit. And it's like, cool, but also we need to do that in order to get them into yeah. this sense of security so real props to Stacey for doing that and also whether she knew it or not but to do, her work as a realtor with them is so fantastic in terms oh of oh my god their, let's talk about like that. absolute bullshittery and she's just like the perfect person for that because she's so level-headed and she's so straight with them about like she really treats it as like a proper business meeting she's not blowing smoke up their ass and so it just serves to highlight their complete nonsense in a way that's so glorious and if she did have a producer hat on then massive props to her to have to sit there and be like okay so what is your price range and for Mikhail to go anywhere between between like a hundred thousand and like 12 million 20 million <laughs> <laughs> outrageous okay. that's another way in which Mikhail I find to be a bit Daniel Staub-esque because you could have just let her sit back and dine off of her infamy with Tarek for the whole season. But in fairness to her, every episode, she's got a little adventure cooking. She's got a little mini storyline. So whether it be her and Tarek looking for their house, this amazing scene, it's like my favorite scene ever where she's this 
goes to the reunion for the Washington Redskins cheerleaders. And it's honestly like something from a Christopher Guest documentary. Like, (laughs) it's so funny. In fairness to her, she does seem to know everyone because she's going around hugging people, but she's also woefully out of her depth and doesn't have a clue what's going on. It's like everyone seems to know the routine apart from her. She's literally about three moves behind everyone else. It's like me and every movement call. I went to do, I did, I tell you, I did my first movement call this week. Oh my God, no. And I felt like, Mikel, <laughs> I was really proud of myself. So I've never been in that situation before and I kind of wanted to be cut in the first round i thought it'd be really funny for me to like do this movement call and then i was imagining the monitor being like okay thank you everyone for coming in if you hear your name read out that's all we need for today if you don't we'd like you to stick around okay james evans (laughs) and i got my way through the first round which thank god because it is humiliating to be cut straight away and then i did the dance call I was actually the last name to be called as well. So in my delusional mind, I was like, that means that I'm the favorite. Because what they've done is they have like all the headshots and resumes and they've gone, okay, so we definitely want him. And then like plop me down first. And then that means I'm at the bottom of the pile, which then means I'm the last name to be called. I love thinking like this. And then like I went into the dance thing and there was, they cut it from 15 people to eight people. And we were all paired up to do this ballroom dance. And I was the only one who was in a male-male pairing. And again, in my delusional mind, I'm like, that means they think I'm good. And I had to do the female part. So I was like, that means they think I'm good. And the way, Ellie, I was being flung up in the air. I was doing high (laughs) kicks. Bam! I felt like a fucking princess. I felt like the belle of the ball. And this poor bastard, Neil, he had chronic back pain, but he didn't want to tell anyone. So he was like, can we just... Take a break for a second. Um, I'm in a lot of pain. I'm like, Neil, you need to step your pussy up because I'm I'm going to nail this. <laughs> I felt incredible. And I was like, I'm a dancer. I've never realized. For those of you who don't know, I'm a single threat. In my Instagram bio, it says two things. One is the lesser half of the Housewives archives. And the second thing I say is very much a single threat. But I don't know. I think that, I don't know. Maybe one and a half. <laughs> one, one and, and a half. half I think there's something there. I then got cut after that round. But again, in my right. delusional mind... Because, you know, they say the whole perfunctory thing of, guys, don't read into this. It just means that you've given us all we need to see today. I'm like, I, yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. Yeah. <laughs> I will not be reading into this. <laughs> I will be getting a direct offer after this. I had that about two months ago. I went in for finals for a show where when I got there, everyone else had been there all morning reading with each other in different pairings. And when I got there, they were like, oh, Eddie, rather than make you stay around after the movement call, why don't you just read with you know, Mark or whatever, this person here, and then do the movement call that way you can go. And in my head, I was like, well, if they've had everyone else reading in different pairings all morning, I must have it if they only need to see me read with one person. And it must be that they're pretty sure this guy is going to be the guy and they're like, let's just mm-hmm. get him to read with Eddie. Yeah. But otherwise, it wouldn't be fair. Turns out, life's not fair. <laughs> I love the thinking, the mental gymnastics we do. And do I it. did not, it was just, they gave me such a look of, you can just read with so and so, where it was like, oh, I see, because I'm already in, I know. because I've got it. In the movement call, we had to do one thing. It was like a little bit we had to do, and then I did it. And then one of the people I saw out of my peripheral vision, they kind of like slinked up to me and they whispered, can you just like do a bit more, please? Just give us a bit more to look at. And in my head, I was like, okay, <laughs> wink, wink. You want a bit more? Oh, I see. Can you I like be want, better? You, you want mean? a little bit more? You want a, uh, I could give you a little bit more. Oh, yeah. If that's what you want. Uh, okay. Painful. But yeah, so basically we've all had that fear of being at a dance call where we're the shittest one there and we don't know what we're doing. To then have a camera crew documenting it is so fucking humiliating. Mm. Again, shameless. 
another little adventure that they go on is that they decide to write a book and then they meet up with a ghostwriter and it's again such a weird ai uncanny valley scene where they clearly want to tell their story about the vineyard but tell it from their warp perspective. Oh my God, yeah, of course. And they're asking these really weird basic questions to the writer where they're like, so how would you tell the story? And then the guy gives these long rambling answers, which are also equally basic, but as if it's like really innovative. And he's like, well, traditionally I would start at the beginning, uh, (laughs) usually with the title of the book. And then I would write chapter one and then start at the beginning of the story and then work through to the end. (laughs) And then I would write the end. And then Mikhail's like, wow. Mm. Mm. I love when he suggests that he might have some input into it so that it could be like co-written all together. And he's like, like 80-20. And they're like, hmm. Like 1585? Like that makes a... It's ghost written anyway. It's a hundred him. Also, you're not going to get any revenue, sir. They're going to steal all of the money. This is pointless (laughs) even debating the number with them. Save yourself, sir. The vineyard scene is so... I know you kind of set the scene with having the security outside. And in my head, the mum is like directly outside the gates. I don't think that is the case. But there's local media there and everything. But again, it's such a bold... Face lie where they make out that it's this luscious verdant oasis it's literally called oasis <laughs> and then you get there and it's the middle of january the most shriveled there's no grapes growing barren. at all it's cold desolate barren it's the epitome of barren and like they say the grapes in the buckets have got to be shot bought because there is not one grape on one of those vines like they're like is- seedless grapes <laughs> And it's just so embarrassing because everyone immediately clocks it as well. And then they're kind of like going along with it. And again, a cat I find quite frustrating. I think actually I really did a 180 from the... I remember the very first time I watched DC. Hilariously, it's one of the very first Real Housewives I ever watched when I was on holiday in America. And I remember thinking, I quite like Cat. She's kind of straightforward and no bullshit. And actually on this watch, I'm thinking, you're really insufferable. You're... She is insufferable. Big old racist for a start. But I think she's kind of what I imagine LVP haters think LVP is. Yeah. When they say that like Lisa uses British humor as a guise for being rude. I want to go stop right there and then sit him down and show them a montage of Kat acting like a complete ass all in the name of British humor. Like I think she has this cute ab fab thing going on and it's just her walking around constantly being like, well, this is a bollocks, darling. Also, I just hate her whole thing that she's written a book where she's like, the last thing I want is for it to come across sort of sex in the city because that's just not who I am at all. Cut to her holding like 10 shopping bags in a photo shoot yeah. on the phone with sunglasses where I'm like so who are you on her little blackberry <laughs> she kind of reminds me of you know when you're at a party or something and it's not very good and then you clock eyes with someone from across the room and you sort of give an eye roll to each other and then you're like oh okay and then you go over to them and you sort of bond over how rubbish the party is and they've kind of they're almost like a side character in a Richard Curtis movie where they're mm-hmm. kind of a bit tell like it is no bullshit darling and in the moment you're like okay this is quite fun and I can have a bitch and a moan but then and actually, as the conversation goes on, you actually just realize they're a miserable person and they're just yes. negative about everything. 
And it feels a bit like that in this scene at Oasis where she's going around with the gay complaining about how transparently fake everything is here. But there also does, again, need to be an element of going along with it. You want to lull the Salahis and make them think that they're laying out the red carpet just to see how much more bullshit you can see. It's actually not fun to watch her being like, oh, what a load of fucking bullshit this is. No, I just don't want to be anywhere near these dreadful people. Like, no, I'm going to go home, darling, actually. It just serves no purpose. But it's fine because she leaves and then we get one of the greatest scenes of the series. Oh my God, it's incredible. It's so out of nowhere. I just really wasn't expecting it. And I love how strong Stacey and her husband's re- like reaction. It's just incredible. It was kind of a turn and, and I still don't really know what happened. It was, it was just the most bonkers... So they're like laughing, oh. joking. Everyone's got red wine lips. They're a few hours deep into the dinner. And then apropos of nothing, Tarek is like, well, it's a shame I have to bring this up because we had our car stolen and there was polo gear inside and the FBI were on the case and they found a Facebook post of Lolly saying it sure was fun stealing that car and going for a joyride. We hate the Salahis and their charity is stupid. And everybody's going to go to jail. Everybody's going to go to jail. <laughs> it's just so out of nowhere. So obviously fake. But the fact that the FBI oh, are involved. so good. It's so funny that Stacy gets involved and she's like, this is a devastating accusation. And Mikhail for a moment thinks that Stacy's agreeing with her. And Mikhail's like, it is devastating for the charity. <laughs> and Stacy's like, no, no, it's just, we don't care about the charity. And Mikhail's like, oh, I care about the charity. Well, Shut I care about, about the charity. <laughs> yeah, it's hello. And Mary's just like paralyzed crying because she's also really drunk. And so in her kind of drunken fog, all she's hearing is your daughter's going to go to jail. And she's like, what's happening? Mary's a funny one because I actually don't think she's boring. And I found, obviously she doesn't do a lot. And her big storyline is she has to change the lock on her closet because Lolly keeps stealing her clothes. It's so boring. But I find her... I don't think she's boring, or if she is, I don't find her boring either in a funny flop way like a Kathy Wakili or in an annoying way like a Gina Kirschenheiter. I just find her probably the most nondescript housewife ever. Mm. She's just so incredibly beige. She's like a very benign version of Ronnie Nagus, where she is constantly in a kind of like whiny, pilled out... Fugue state. Fugue state. And they also have a very similar look to them. Yeah, she also looks like an American actress. I can't remember who... I mean, she looks a little bit like Stockard Channing when she was younger. Mm, yeah, I see that. She has a really particular look where she always looks like a different person when her hair is straight. She does. She looks much better. I also can't pin down her age. She kind of, some scenes no, she looks incredibly young. No, that's what I mean. Sometimes she looks really young. Time. Exactly. And some scenes she looks really puffy and like, it's, it's just very strange. And like you say, it's like a complete non- person she doesn't take a stand on anything she's barely even like a republican or a democrat she's just like the most non she's probably i think for that reason my pick for the most obscure housewife ever she's just like a footnote on a forgotten city yeah it's a good one although i would say linda as well because linda doesn't film with anyone so linda's literally only there to watch models walk about five feet i'm sorry it's the smallest space i've ever seen models have to walk 
for someone to watch their walk. It's got to be about three steps each time from the water cooler to the desk. The fact that she's bragging about being the top modeling agency in DC, it's kind of like me saying I'm the most famous actor from my hometown of Churchtown. It's like, (laughs) okay, (laughs) cool. To be honest, in many ways, Linda's just, you know, your standard housewife in that she has a slightly slimy, uh, untrustworthy presence that makes her a bit unnerving. She practices a myriad of different religions and spiritualities depending on the day for her own convenience. And astrology. She's nominally Republican, although she's dating Abong and she feels like that gives her some clout and that uh, it maybe gives her a pass to make some clueless comment about reverse racism or whatever. <laughs> um, I will say about Mikhail... Obviously, Mikkel's a very dangerous, dreadful person, but she's like the only housewife to not say something off color when it comes to race relations. So I know it's a very low bar to meet, but very she seems low to pass bar. It. But yes, that's true. <laughs> well done. Another reason why I like Stacey is that she did immediately clock Cat for being a big old racist. And that was just like a very strange run of episodes at the beginning where Cat's rudeness. I think what makes Cat palatable is when she finally is able to focus her rudeness on Mikhail and Tarek because they're such an easy target. But what's weird mm-hmm. is in the beginning of the season, it's kind of just very scattergun. And it means we have these weird scenes where she goes to Stacey's aunt's homestyle cooking party and she's like visibly uncomfortable being in a house full of black people and makes these weird comments about how George W. Bush was a better president than Obama and like how she hates Tyra Banks and it's just like a very weird beginning to start on Mm. and then there's that moment where she's outside with the one gay and he kisses her and she makes a very off-color joke and uses some very old-fashioned terminology. I think it's that and I think what's difficult is I think she genuinely believes she's not in terms of I think it's very that trope of kind of the white women who are like I don't see color yeah but actually it's like but you should see color Mm -hmm. if that makes sense you should see i think she's very in this kind of in the same way as linda and probably same way as mary they're very of that world of being like we should all be the same and it's like that's not it's not actually yeah there's no introspection or like investigating of anything further than that and she's definitely of the school of i'm not a racist because i don't want to examine any of those things which again we have to remember it was very of a time in which people didn't and it's been a massive sort of call to arms the last 10 years in particular for white people in particular to examine their privilege and to understand that it's not enough to just be like, I really like everyone. I don't I voted for Obama. see a different that it's like there's actual work yeah. to be done and things to have to sit with and to educate yourself better on. I think there's definitely what's so fascinating about what we were saying about watching old housewives shows where they don't have the self-awareness of how they come across now to the modern world is that it means you catch things like cat just clearly being deeply uncomfortable in a culture or a cultural environment that she doesn't understand or that doesn't fit with her she basically is only comfortable if she's with a particular kind of gay where she feels she can be bitchy and yeah. that feels like it allows her to be like see i'm i like i'm if anyone who knows me i've just got the best sense of humor ever and that thing of yeah it's more complicated than that and 
she doesn't want to interrogate that any further. It's in another instance in which DC is incredibly ahead of its time because I can't think of any show that would have been airing in 2010, scripted or reality, that has a character in the form of Stacy who actually articulates microaggressions. That's it, exactly. And introduces that to a white audience. It's exactly that. And I think she actually does very good work of making it very clear how she feels about Kat and she thinks that she holds problematic views without saying it outright. Exactly. And I think it is really interesting to watch it with today's eye. And it is like fascinating how quickly when Kat with Erica, who don't get me wrong, they're allowed to fall out and they're allowed to have different personality types. But Kat does so quickly fall back on this thing of being like, she's just really aggressive. Yeah. And actually, Erica is not, she's, she clearly doesn't like Kat and she is giving back what Kat is giving. But the one thing she's not is aggressive. Kat is all bark and no bite. She's actually the worst kind of person who can dish it out, but she can't take it. It's actually shameful, utterly shameful that Kat got so easily gagged, not once, but twice, by the most random supporting characters in Stacey's obnoxious friend, Erica, and also Mikkel's assistant. And all Mikkel's assistant said was like, it's better than being bitchy all the time. And Kat just didn't have anything to say back to that. She wouldn't last five minutes on the franchise. But I did find it interesting how Erica, look, she's very heavy-handed. And I think coming in and immediately being like, there's the mean girl is annoying. But I think the way the scene was played felt very one-sided in the cat was just a straight up victim and i think it would play very differently today another thing that annoys me with cat is that as an english person who lives in america i can't stand other english people who live here who constantly make their englishness their personality (laughs) where they go around she loudly complains about america and americans all the time where it's like don't be here then like yeah fuck off go home every talking head it's her saying something like so yeah i find americans much more uh polite and fake and uh yeah we brits we just sort of say it like it is from time to time you know we don't sugarcoat things and it's like speak for yourself i very much (laughs) tell white lies all the time and like everything that comes out of my mouth is sugarcoated and then when andy's like oh i thought it was different in that americans are loud and say it like it is and the brits are polite and then she's like well i don't know what kind of brits you've been hanging out with andy but uh yeah, I can just say that we're very straightforward. I don't know. She's a ridiculous woman. Shall I take us out as cat? Yeah. I mean, I brought us in as cat, but I've been quite inspired by I think your accent's probably been a bit better. Although I think yours goes into Lisa Vanderpump in the ASMR video. Dust French, Carl. Dust, Dust French. Carl is absolutely not a racist. I think. <laughs> <laughs> um. Any thoughts on what you want to talk about next week? Well, do you have any burning desire to do anyone? Gina and Emily? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Or? It's going to be short and sweet. I haven't watched New New York. I could watch New... I haven't been watching New New York either. Should we... Maybe let's do that. We should watch... I think maybe we should watch some New New York and say what we think. Okay. Okay. Dig us out. Thank you, sir. Oh, well, I I fucked it up already. I want to do it now. I think I'm a better cat. (laughs) Oh, th- ow. Should give me a chance. At the same time? And then you can jump over. Okay. No, th- let me. Th- I'll okay. start and then you can correct me. Okay. Um, thank you. Uh, thank you so much for. <laughs> thank you so much for. Thank you so much for. Oh, she's becoming a bit like she's having a stroke. <laughs> no, because now I'm just doing an impression of your impression. Thank you so much for tuning into Real Housewives Archives. Uh, if you enjoy the show, then feel free to give us a review or um, you know, tell your friends because that really helps us. And uh, I suppose we'll talk to you next week. (laughs) 
beautiful. <laughs> Go on, do a better bit. Thank you all for joining us on uh, the Housewives Archives. If you enjoyed this bollocks that you heard today, then uh, just leave a message and click subscribe. And uh, just remember, we're here for a good time, not a long time. And spread some word to your friends who might enjoy what we've said today. And uh, have a good one. From time to time. <laughs> From time to time. What a way to put me in my place. No. Bring back Carlton. <laughs> really? Really? <laughs>